Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. Today we speak to Asad Hamir, founder of Noli, a modular tech accessories company. Basically think Lego for tech accessories that truly serves at the intersection between form and function in an incredibly beautiful, simplistic and elegant way. And of course, an investor in OcuShield, the company that recently attracted the attention of Peter Jones and Tej Alvani on the famous TV show Dragon's Den. What amazes me though is the fact that Asad unashamedly is perhaps one of the most authentic and real people I've ever met and uses the companies he builds as an expression of his true self in a beautiful and really creative way, having grown up in an environment where creativity and risk-taking is often looked down on. I am so, so excited to speak to Asad today. Here's what you can look forward to. I mean, what, what goes through your mind, Asad, when you're, when you're sitting there waiting for your turn um, and then obviously you've got the, the, the footage of you in the elevator, um, you know, going up to, to meet these guys? What, what goes through your mind? Um, I think before, like, we'd practised a lot. Like, we'd done a lot of, I don't even know, like, Drew just kept on getting us to practice. I came in on the Saturday, the Sunday day before and just practice 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 because it was going to be broadcasted like were you at all worried about what people might think you know had you not succeeded obviously you, you do think about that somewhat but I think um, I think with any of these things you've got to look the other way as well like you have to um, uh, like if I'm honest I didn't really think too much about that it was more like we got to, like we will get this we will have yeah. to get the investment it was a good business. It was a calculated risk, like to go on there because if we went on there and tenor was 100k or something, it'd be a lot harder, right? Yeah, yeah. But the business was doing close to a million quid at that point, um, so it was a scaling business it, at a time when this problem was becoming more and more apparent. Um, so it was a calculated risk. Obviously, you did optometry as your uh, as your degree, as you said. Um, what was it that kind of made you think? You know, obviously, you mentioned the iPhone coming out and stuff. I mean, you know, um, yeah. did it did it ever kind of come to mind that you know um, maybe maybe you would you would be an optometrist? Maybe maybe that would be your 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 full time job. What what made you kind of change? I guess. So um, I didn't like optometry okay. personally. Okay. Um, so I used to um, like uh, yeah, I didn't didn't like it. I don't think many optometrists like like optometry very few do um but um yeah i just couldn't see myself doing doing that for a long time i did it because my family kind of told me to do it um so i didn't like it and i love i like tech asad how you doing man yeah i'm good i'm good pleasure to be on here good thanks for uh, for for joining us today asad ask everyone this question first and foremost um what does your dream five-car garage look like? Uh, so I've got to start with my, my first car. So firstly, I think um, it still has memories, yeah, from, 
you know, you always remember your first car, right? Yeah. So it's a v, VW Polo. Okay. Um, gray one. Um, uh, and yeah, it got me everywhere. Like uh, I, I bought it basically when I qualified as an optometrist. Um, and uh, as an optom, you locum. And um, so that was that was the the first one. I drove it everywhere from like Basingstoke, Andover. I don't even know where I went with it. Um, the further you went, the the more you got paid, basically. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the first one um, that I'd say. The second one I would go for was a Nissan Skyline, um, just because I used to love playing Gran Turismo, yeah. uh, like as a kid on PlayStation. And that was the best car, apart from the Subaru Impreza, which was just, I don't know what they'd done, kind of going around corners and stuff. You could just <laughs> go around it, go around any corner at any speed. Yeah. So, but there wasn't, there wasn't any fun. That was just like cheating, right? Yeah. Um, so that's number two. Um, number three, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's one from favorite movie, which is, uh, Bad Boys. So the, the original 911 that Will yeah. Smith drove, yeah. the silver one. Um, so that's that's number three. Um, number four um, is is one of my favorite four by fours. I'm a big fan of four by fours, just because. Yeah, I've just never been into like sports cars and stuff like that. Just I, I prefer the space. Like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. prefer not to like have issues like getting in and. <laughs> Yeah, so things like that, and also yeah. just for the kids and stuff, so the kids yeah. enjoy it and and stuff like that. So um, it's actually one that I had um, a few years back, and I just found it was like the best four by four ever had, just from a driving experience point of view and interiors and everything. Um, that was a Cayenne uh, Porsche oh, yeah. Cayenne. Yeah. Um, so I just think they're the best four by fours. I've had X five and a few other ones, and then the final one, which I really, really, really want to get. And I, I actually drive EVs at the moment myself, so I, I have a Tesla um, on Lex. Yeah, is the Cybertruck? Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I just think it's uh, a real piece of design, like, and that's what design is supposed to be. It's supposed to evoke a response, and um, it's brave by Elon. Um, and um, yeah, like, it looks super cool, right? I'd, I'd hate to think if I was involved in a crash, what would happen though. Um, just not so sure it's yeah. the safest car yeah. Yeah. but yeah it's a beautiful piece of design it's polarizing and that's what design is right it's, it can be polarizing in that sense so some people hate it um but i think it's like quite special have you seen the um the the jay leno uh video of him driving the cyber truck through the uh the boring tunnels no it's, it. uh, yeah, it's it. quite fun actually it's uh it's just funny seeing this huge tank uh, I mean, you, yeah. you might know about Elon doing these these underground tunnels. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hyperloops. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, but but you're right. I think I think the um, Cybertruck is a bit like Marmite. Either love it, you hate it. I'm I'm yeah. undecided. Uh, I mean, it's it is very bold, very bold indeed. Uh, but we'll see when it actually uh, when it actually uh, is it is it even out yet? Can you actually can you actually get one? No. To order it? But you can't actually get one right now, can you? So I put I put a deposit down. Um, oh right. They're giving that. They're giving it back. Um, so I think they've. I don't know if they've run into some production issues or what. They've taken it off the website. It's no longer there. Maybe it was just a PR stunt, right? Um, and wouldn't be surprised because he's an amazing marketer. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's not available anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, a bit like the flamethrower. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, yeah, he's a nut. He's a nutcase. Man. I mean, he's it's incredible once you get to that that level. I mean, he's just having fun, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. that's what he's doing now. He's you know, he's it's it's not business anymore. It's fun. Yeah, for him, indeed, indeed. Um, I want to go into uh, a place where I'm sure many many people who will be listening to this will be asking about Dragons Den, and you know, um, for me personally, watching it, it was just so refreshing to not only see someone um you know asian and and kind of so young and and but but it, it, it was for me it was about more than just dragon's den it was the fact that you're in the creative space and i think that for me that is just so beautiful to see because often people within the asian culture kind of it, it feels quite um what's the word it, it being creative and being different is almost looked down upon. And mm. I don't think we do enough to push our younger generation to be creative and to look at aesthetics and to be an artist or be a painter or, or, or you know, that, that or, you know, being to music or whatever it is. And we sort of look down upon it. And for me, it was quite amazing to see you in that, in that space, but also actually be recognized for it as well on, on, on Dragon's Den. Tell us a little bit about the run up to it and how that all kind of, you know, sort of, how did it also you know, come about essentially. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Druvin, who's the founder of the business, um, he, uh, basically, um, has been talking about it for ages, like, um, probably for like last two years, we should, we should go and drag us down, we should go and drag us down. I'm like, and I always felt like, nah, we're going to get crucified. Right. Cause the business wasn't at that point, um, where it was ready to, to go on there. Um, and, um, then it was, yeah, it was last year, probably I'd say April, May time when he kind of said it again. And at that point, um, the turnover really starting to rocket, um, the business is all around blue light and, uh, protecting your eyes and the digital age. And obviously like, uh, lockdowns quite changed the way we work and, you know, operate and obviously our dependence on tech increase exponentially and therefore we were all using our eyes more and more so this kind of thing became into the mainstream media um uh yeah it was it was a regular regular thing and that boosted our sales quite dramatically so we were like right what other ways are there to kind of put fuel on that fire um and um dragon's den came up uh, and um we're like yeah let's do it uh let's let's see what happens and um driven applied um put the application form in step one i think he had like an initial call where they talk he'd talk through the business and then step two we had to do like a film we had to film like um a pitch basically on on yeah just video i mean essentially they're looking to see like you know how you are in front of camera and ultimately it's still a show right and um so we did that. So we had to like pitch, like, this is the business. This is, you know, the business opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So like, I think it was like two minutes or something. Yeah. Um, send that off. And then about, I think it was about a month or two after we got um, email saying, yep, yeah, we want to take you forward to the next stage. And then um, they then did a, a video interview with us. So with their, with them, yeah, the main, main selectors and various questions on the business and stuff like that. And yeah, and then they were like, okay, we'll come back to you. And then we found out a couple of months later, again, that yeah, um, they wanted to take us take us forward. And then 
um we got like a date um a month before and um yeah we just had to we had to go down there on a certain date so it's in manchester and um uh yeah like they told us it's basically it could be any time during the day um and we were there from the night before and um i think we went on about three three four o'clock or something so like we were one of the last to go on Okay. It's annoying because like you're just sitting and sitting around all day, yeah. um, and also like the the dragons or the you know the investors they're they're obviously probably quite tired. What I found out after that a lot of them commute from London oh, wow. um, to or like Berkshire suburbs of London and yeah. stuff like that. So a lot of them stay over sometimes, but a lot of the time they commute. So they drive up and drive down. So it must be really really tiring. So. And obviously listening to pictures all day and some will be good, some not so good. Um, so we're like, oh man, like we're taking the, the graveyard yeah, shift here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to figure out what's the best, best time to go on. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that was the kind of, that was the kind of journey and stuff. And, um, definitely one that I'd highly recommend to any business. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about the, um, the impact it has and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what what goes through your mind, Assad, when you're when you're sitting there waiting for your turn, um, and then obviously you've got the the, the footage of you in the elevator, um, you know, going up to to meet these guys. What what goes through your mind? Um, I think before, like we'd practiced a lot, like we'd done a lot of, I don't even know, like June just kept on getting us to practice. I came in on the Saturday, the Sunday day before and just practice 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 you must practice like 100 100 times i don't know but like um what what's quite interesting when you're practicing like that artificially it's not the same um and it's quite difficult actually to do that to practice like that you know just when you're not doing a real pitch because i'm used to doing pitches like you know once you do a pitch you're in pitch right and um so that was a bit difficult and then um but but because we've done it so many times when we got there, like, it was okay. I mean, I, I was, um, because, like, you know, done done a lot of pictures, it was, I actually, like, was a little bit nervous. Obviously, you go 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 up and the doors open and stuff. But once you're in, yeah. like, I don't even, I was saying to someone the other day, I don't remember the cameras. Like, really? um, okay. was, yeah, like, the only time I, re- I realized then I'm on a set uh, and it was, I actually see, so they make you step on an X because that's where the camera obviously points at you. Right, sure. And um, I apparently moved off the X. So they were like, stop the cameras, stop the show. <laughs> Don't move from the X. Um, so, um, yeah, but like, it it was like another pitch uh, once we were on. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess it was just down to the practice we put in, um, which made that a lot easier. Yeah. So, um but yeah, once we were in, it was just like, right, we've got to get the deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Had you watched many episodes of Dragon's Den sort of growing up yeah. and, and watching it as you, like, sort of, before you entered the trend, before you entered the actual den? 
yeah, so I watched I watched a lot. Uh, big fan of the show. I think it's like really good TV. And but then I I watched a lot in the lead up again. So I watched uh, just to like see like get to know their the dragons a bit bit closer, right? Just yeah. to see what's going to work and what's not. Um, so yeah, it was um, yeah it was uh, it was definitely like um, like. A little bit, obviously, um, you're a little bit worried and stuff before, like, what if it doesn't go right and stuff. But, like, at the same time, you got to do this what business is about, right? You've got to take risks. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, um, was it at all nerve-wracking in the sense of, because it was going to be broadcasted, like, were you at all worried about what people might think, you know, had you not succeeded and, and what, what the impact of that would be? Was that, was that at all in your, in your, in your mind? Obviously, you, you do think about that somewhat, but I think um, I think with any of these things, you've got to look the other way as well. Like you have to, um, uh, like if I'm honest, I didn't really think too much about that. It was more like we got like we will get this, we will have yeah. to get the investment. It was a good business. It was a calculated risk, right, to go on there because you went on there and ten of it was 100k or something be a lot harder right yeah, yeah. But the business was doing close to a million quid at that point um so it was a scaling business it, at a time when this problem was becoming more and more apparent um so it was a calculated risk um so you weigh all these things up but um no nah, but you know at the end of the day we're like once we've got the opportunity you're like right you've got to smash this yeah. right yeah yeah, and obviously you went in uh, knowing who you wanted to bring on board. Obviously, Tej and obviously Peter. Uh, yeah, those are the two that you obviously wanted to get on board. Um, how did you sort of arrive at those two? At those two people. So Peter, actually, before so my background was has been in telecoms for like 12, 10, 12 years since I left university after becoming an optometrist. And um, one of the things that um, I did it, I can't remember if it was at university or shortly after, I, was, I read Peter's book, um, Tycoon. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been a big Peter Jones fan. He's actually, his book is really good. Like, um, I'd highly recommend it for anyone. Um, he's actually, you know, um, despite the TV bravado and stuff, he's actually a smart, very smart business person. Yeah. And to operate a mobile phone distribution business, which is a high, which is a, like almost next to nothing margin business for so long and do well out there is, you know, incredible. Um, so um, Peter from, from point of view, I like the guy, but also like he's from the same industry that we obviously our products are going to be sold in. Yeah. So, um, so we felt that he'd be a good fit. And then Ted from a healthcare point of view, cause we were looking to create a DTC direct consumer uh, brand. So, and obviously what he's done with Vitabiotics, I mean, Vitabiotics, especially during lockdown, was incredible. The amount of advertising that they were doing, how much they've invested in brand, built a moat around their brand. So, um, yeah, those two were the ones which I felt were the best fit, or both me and Druvin felt were the best fit. So, tech and healthcare. Okay, okay. And um, in terms, of, obviously, I guess, I guess now you, I guess now you're working with them, um, and and I guess you, I mean, what, what, and we obviously met them. Uh, on on the day um yeah did you was it different to how you thought it would be in terms of how they came across and when when you met them or was all kind of in line with what you kind of expected um they've they i think business is about relationships right and 
and um, actually, um, you don't succeed in business, I think, over a long period of time like they have if you don't have very good ethics and very good morals. And um, um, I wasn't surprised, actually. I was actually um, surprised. I, I was actually pleasantly, pleasantly um, kind of, you know, my response was, was good that, you know, Peter and Ted were just lovely people. They're really nice yeah, people. Yeah. And uh, very, very focused uh, when it comes to business. They they got it. You know, they, what's, um, what's great about them, you know, you can see it in the show, they can apply themselves to any industry and immediately work out whether something's going to work or not. Yeah. And, um, and it's the same with this, like, you know, two minutes into the conversation with us about the Hockey Shield business after the show, they're immediately seeing seeing and spotting where the opportunity is. So incredible business people, uh, but very nice people as well. Like very, you know, very warm and very, um, yeah, good good ethics. You know, that's amazing. And I guess obviously beyond beyond the beyond the money, I guess you obviously benefit from their experience, from their advice, from their mentorship. I guess which I guess is you can't really put a price on, like can you? And that must be really really nice to have to have that with you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think it's important. I think it's the 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 the, the kind of profiles they have as well. Yeah. They've kind of built up, which is nice to see, like how they've done it, learn from that. Um, but I think um, at the end of the day, they're investors, right? So, like, um, they're passive investors, and um, you know, investors are investors in your business, yeah. right? They want to return. And ultimately, you as the founding team are the ones that have to drive it and deliver it. So they ain't going to run your business. And if they do have to run your business, then things are not going to turn out well. Um, so, um, yeah, like I think there is definitely benefits to having people like that on board your business. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still up to you to like make it happen. Make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about uh, your early days. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, this isn't the first business that, that, that you've started. You've always had a, quite quite a few businesses in your in your in your experience. Um, where does that kind of entrepreneurial spirit come from, and and, and how does your sort of your early early days look like? So I think I've always been very curious, um, and I think that came from playing loads and loads of Lego. Okay. okay. Like like my parents. Like, didn't have money, but they, for some reason, bought me loads of Lego. Like, which is funny. Lego is so timeless. My kids still play with the Lego that I played with, yeah. which is, like, incredible, wow. right, about Lego. Um, so, yeah, I think I play, I think that really did, like, just building things and building, I don't know, ways to, like, to make spaceships, spaceships a lot and stuff. Then that then led me to, like, always wanting to, I always used to destroy our cameras, because I used to want to open the cameras up okay. and see what was inside and unscrew all the screws. And, and then I'd, I'd screw them up somehow <laughs> trying to put them back together. And I was like seven, eight years old. Uh, wow. And then I'd get a real slap. <laughs> I try and hide it, hide it. And then it comes to the holiday and the camera doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and that came from, my dad was an electrical engineer. So we, he'd always bring computers home and he'd, we, we'd always open the computers up and then, uh, you know, in the inside, you know, you unscrew lots of things and have a look around. And so I think, um, yeah, childhood activities, I guess. Um, I was always a little bit sporty, but not crazy sporty. So I was more 
a lot more kind of activity based and I was quite I like I used to love like being at home as a kid which you know wasn't always the most outgoing um then um yeah and then like my my mum had an optician's business my dad had a business um and like it didn't really make money but like we were very comfortable very happy um like you know they'd bought their house and stuff like that so they were happy right like you know we didn't you know i didn't know any different to be honest like you know rich poor whatever i knew i knew you know like my uncle had a mercedes that was like always like you know he's he's the wealthy one we had like a peugeot 307 and um and then um yeah and then at um college yeah it was college college i started trading cds like uh, we used to go to Virgin mega stores and copy CDs, um, return them, trade them, um, started to make a little bit of money from that. Then I got a paper round, like, you know, and, did, and then I like found things I wanted to, to um, spend money on. So I used to like tennis and I used to want the latest tennis rackets. So okay. I used to like go and find ways of making money for to buy them. And then um, at uni, I started trading phones started um love love phones i've got my dad got me an 8210 okay. uh, my yeah. first phone and i was loved it and um yeah that got me into phones and then third year uni i saw the iphone launch um and that's what got me into telecoms uh, so i finished my i did optometry university but then finished that and then went into phones and um yeah and kind of had a reseller business for a number of years um, then I started um, an eyewear business, which didn't go so well. That was like a big learning experience. Um, and then um, uh, then refocused and realized that, yeah, where, where I wanted to really focus was on building out the technology or the telecoms portfolio. Yeah. And, um, and that would be around uh, both me kind of operating things, but also investing in other founders, which is what I've done in Shield and a couple of other things. So yeah, that's that's basically kind of brought me to to today. So I've you know been in business for like 12, 12 years now. Got a lot of experience. Um, got a lot of bruises. Um, you know, learn learn a lot. Um, you know, retail, online, Amazon. You know, product B two B. Yeah, like don't think I know it all, but you know, was still learning. Um, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, you did optometry as your uh, as your degree, as you said. Um, what was it that kind of made you think? You know, obviously, you mentioned the iPhone coming out and stuff. I mean, you know, um, yeah. Did it did it ever kind of come to mind that you know um, maybe maybe you would you would be an optometrist? Maybe maybe that would be your 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 full time job. What what made you, I suppose, take the more kind of riskier route into entrepreneurship as opposed to taking a more kind of you could argue safer you know uh nine to five potentially optometrist and that's what you do for the rest of your life what what made you kind of change i guess so um i didn't like optometry personally um so i used to um like uh yeah i didn't didn't like it i don't think many optometrists like like optometry very few do um but, um, yeah, I just couldn't see myself doing, doing that for a long time. I did it because my family kind of told me to do it. Um, 
so I didn't like it. And I love, I like tech. Um, and I thought like, you know, uh, I was wanting to do something in tech, uh, cause that's what I've always, always loved, uh, for, for, for a long time. And I think, I think at 21, you don't really think about these things too much. You kind of have no fear yeah. and you just go and do it. And yeah, I just did it. And, um, ran out of money in the first month. We didn't realize we, yeah, we didn't have enough money. Um, and, um, had to pay a VAT bill. I had to borrow some money off my dad. Um, and, but you know, that's, that's how you learn. Right. And, um, so I think, I think a big part of it, a age did play into it. Like, I think, um, if I'd done it when I was, I don't know, 26, 27, 30, I think it would have, I probably would have been a bit more risk averse, yeah. to be honest. But I think because I've that thinking about it though, that um, fearlessness is kind of still there today. Like I, I, I do understand. I, I'm now a lot more kind of calculated with my approach and a lot more kind of you know doing the numbers first and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think. Um, yeah, you gotta, if you, if you, if you think there's an opportunity, um, in doing something, you've done your proper due diligence in, um, in looking at the market and stuff, then you have to go for it. Absolutely. I mean, where, where do you think that kind of fear comes from? Um, I mean, both for young people, but also for those who are older, you know, in the 26, 28, 30, 35, even, even 40. Um, yeah. What, what, in, in, in your view, what do you think, prevents people from you know not necessarily packing it all in and giving up their day job but even just mm. taking that slight kind of side hustle project they know that they've got an interest in this particular thing but they're just too what what is it that you think kind of prevents them from actually taking that first step if you like um i think um people People probably was. I think it's it sits in two two camps, right? I think firstly, um, they think that um, it's too much of a risk um, moving from you know, let's say, corporate job where you've got hundred k a year, you know, job or whatever, fifty k a year, whatever, whatever that amount is, and you're comfortable. Um, and um, so, I think the risk factor definitely kind of plays plays into that and do i really want to you know risk losing this over that um that's that's the first thing because you know business is hard right like it's not it's not it's not um pack of roses you know it's it's gonna be difficult and there's a high degree of failure high risk of failure so i think you know rightfully people are people are scared about that i think the other side of it is people don't know maybe how to do it as a side hustle and how to scale in, how to like go from A to B and, you know, the process that's needed and, you know, to validate and then look at, um, uh, you know, how you raise capital and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think these days capital raising is glamorized. So it looks easy and, you know, people think that it's, you know, going to be easy to raise money and all that stuff. Um, so, um, I think it's um it's it's both of those really. I think it's um people people's like you know jobs and stuff like that. And then I guess the, the third one is like 
it's it's just self-doubt isn't it like you know people feel like what you know people can come up with what if what if this happens what if that happens yeah. you know um you know I, I don't have any experience of this or that um but you know that's that's life right like you've gotta you've gotta um you've gotta put yourself outside your comfort zone I mean, I do it every single day, pretty much. Um, I didn't know, you know, I'm an optometrist, right? That's what I did as a degree. Why am I doing phones and tech and going to China and making tech accessories and selling them online and, you know, all this stuff? Um, That's, yeah, it's you know, true. It, it's true. I mean, um, to, to what degree, and I'm, I was going to come to this later, but I'll just bring it up now because I think it's so, so relevant, is um, firstly... Um, for, for those people who are on that 50k, 100k, yeah, right, and 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 there, there's a mixture of fear, there's a mixture of self doubt. Um, yeah. What would be your advice, your your practical advice to them who they they're not happy with what with what they do, um, <clears throat> they're not enjoying what they do, they not hate their job, but it's just not satisfying them. It's not it's not giving them that kind of contentment, if you like. What would be your advice mm. to them, and also um to what degree for you has the role of you know uh, interest and actually actually enjoying whatever it is that you're doing to what degree has that played a part in 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 where you choose to spend your time if that kind of makes sense yeah and i think um getting to the point where you can enjoy is a real privilege um and um i'm you know i'm still hustling and i'm still still trying to get to that point um and i think it's getting that balance between enjoyment and being commercial yeah. with your interests um and i think the same thing applies in someone's job right so if you're not happy or you're not happy with your with what you're doing sometimes the grass is not always green on the other side right uh, and that's you know another life learning um so i think um, it's it's making sure that you know uh, you validated um, and calculated any change you're going to make and the impact of that change on income for your households. I've seen it before with friends where you know they're not happy and they make the change and then it has an impact on you know their their the yeah their household you know income you know and things like that. So I think it's really really important to make sure that you know, you made that uh, assessment. And once you've made that assessment, then, and you're sure about it, then you have to try and obviously, um, you should, you should try and make it go of it, right. Um, um, and I think it's, it's important also, if you're going to go into business and stuff like that, I think it's really important that you also get the support, your family, you know, your, your, you know, your loved ones, everything, because it's hard, like, you know, it's number of hours you do it a day, in a day, it's the emotional impact of it. You feel drained sometimes. Like, you know, it's business is, is not easy. Um, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, and you know, it's not, it's not what you see on Instagram, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's so true. I think, I mean, just on, on, on social media, I think it's, it's so, um, it's it's often important to note that you know what you see is just literally the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? There's so much behind 
that guy who's got a Ferrari or a, or, a, or a nice house, you know, people don't quite appreciate the amount of work and effort that goes into getting to that point. Uh, it's so true. Um, as, a, as a fellow marketeer myself, um, and I often have this debate with uh, many people um, about brand and the importance of building a brand versus better sales. And um, for me, um, what's really clear to me is the level of focus that you place on brand building um, and story building, mm. um, as opposed to taking shortcuts and trying to find, you know, and, and focusing purely on, you know, just sales It is about trying to build a brand at, at, at the end of it. And I was just, I was kind of trying to build a picture of what your principles were. And it, it, it seemed like there's a real focus on design for you. Um, putting the consumer at the center of everything um, and community development and actually creating a community based on this brand, which, which, which I think is really powerful. Um, does that sound about right? And how important has it been to be principle driven for you mm. and, and your and your business? Yeah, no, um, I think uh, a brand a brand plays out in your sales and marketing activities. So I think the the brand the brand is the most important thing um you know when it comes to creating a business and you don't you know building a brand doesn't need to cost you a fortune um but it takes takes thought and discipline to make sure that you then apply that brand in everything that you do and you live and breathe it and that brand should be natural to you as a person and where it hasn't been natural to me where i've learned in the past where I've had a business failure is when I've not made that brand when I've tried to make the brand, not who I am as a person. Yeah. And the brand has to be reflective of you as an individual and what you stand for, what you believe in and what you are passionate about. And, um, yeah, I, I'm a late adopter to design for honest. Like, you know, um, I, I'm not a designer. Um, but I, but I fell in love with the design and I think, um, design is a beautiful thing, which, really can help change perceptions, um, change the way we do things. Um, you know, Apple, when they brought out the iPhone, one of the biggest things they did was they innovated on design. Te- the technology was all second, you know, generation. You know, that's mm-hmm. Apple always never are innovators of technology. They are always innovators of design. Mm-hmm. And so design definitely um i think the second thing i'd say is simplicity so always trying to strip things away make things simpler make things better for people by removing not adding um uh, and really challenging on that front um i think third i'd say is doing it with real energy and uh passion and you know you see that in our whether it's the nolly colors or whatever it is you know like yeah, like you know, you gotta you gotta sell to sell. You gotta you gotta grab grab people, and you gotta you gotta um, do it with real energy. Um, so I think that's um, number three. Um, I think uh, number four, definitely, you know, putting the customer at the heart of everything, like you know, is super super important. And I think a lot of modern brands now are trying to be built around around trying to you know create a direct relationship with the customer and really get to know that customer um, as intimately as possible. And, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, you have to look after your customer. Otherwise, 
you're screwed, right? As a business, you know, you're not building any defensibility around your business long term if you don't look after your customers. You know, anyone can do Facebook ads and get some sales, you know, um, anyone, right? Like, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to create a landing page and, you know, put, um, you know, some nice content and some customer testimonials and, you know, reviews and, you know, and stick a checkout function at the bottom and you'll get some sales, right? Um, and, um, but, you know, it's the guys that are going to be there in a year or two after coming back again, buying off you because they really have enjoyed that product. Um, and so to build a customer company, it takes great product that's going to last, that's going to, you know, if it's a physical product, it's got to, it's got to, you know, work well. Uh, it's got to maintain, um, uh, if it's a digital product, it's got to be seamless, it's got to be improved, um, all the time. You know, it's what you want and demand. As a customer, you want people to listen to you. So, yeah, I definitely say, um, just adding a couple of those principles, yeah. I def- definitely say you, you, you covered it. And just final one for me is now, uh, one which is more around sustainability. I think, um, you know, it comes back to the kind of simplicity and removing stuff all the time, to be honest. Like, I think we should always try and do things in a way where you start with the end in mind and try and create products or services or, you know, whatever it is that, um, just take away le- less resources from from the world, really. Um, so sustainability is the other one. Absolutely. And um, how do you um, how do you create a culture, um, a, a work culture, if you like, based on those principles? And how, how have you gone about doing that? Because I guess it's it's one thing to have these principles in your mind and to believe in them and to and to and to and to be them, but I guess it's a yeah. whole different ball game to make the people around you buy into that, believe in that, be empowered by that and to work towards that same kind of level of principles. Is is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I definitely say so. And I think firstly, you as the leader need to kind of um act on those principles uh and lead from the front. Um and um you you need to be prepared to do, you know, clean stuff up. And, and show people that, you know, as a leader, you're going to do everything and therefore I expect you to do everything. Um, so leading by action is really, really key. I'd say firstly, um, in terms of how you actually apply these principles, don't expect to hire someone and get them to do it. You got to do it. If you can't lead, you can't run a business. Um, so, um, I think that's, that's the first thing. I think second thing is be demanding as a leader. Um, be demanding of what you want. Um, and, um, and be clear, uh, to people. Once you're clear, um, and you've set expectations and you've got alignment, you can then, you, you deserve the right to be demanding if things are not delivered on time or, you know, not delivered to, to expectations. So I think, um, on the other hand is, you know, creating and developing a high performance culture, um, where people, um, are wanting to deliver for you and to cultivate that culture, you've got to look after them. You've got to create an environment for them, which they feel like they're, you know, they can open up and, you know, share and challenge and, um, and everyone's different, right? You're going to have people that work, I've got people that, you know, working moms or young students or, you know, and everyone's different. You can't treat everyone the same, you know, um, everyone's going to have different priorities and, different responsibilities um and you have to cultivate that ecosystem people but 
Um, I also like to really have a diverse team. Um, you know, diversity in team really does create, um, um, yeah, that culture, not having the same people, not types, same types of people, but at the same time, no prima donnas. Like I don't, I don't, you know, it's, it's a team, not individuals. So, you know, if someone is not part or not playing ball, um, then, you know, it's an issue. And you as the leader, you are the most important person. So ultimately, um, you know, because it's your vision, right? Um, and I know people will say, you know, oh, it's the team that's the most important. Yeah, but I think when you're starting, it's you as an individual. Yeah. Your vision is the most important. Then as the team, as the business develops, is you know, it can then be the team underneath. But I think at the beginning, it's really important that you, yeah, you lead it and you drive it. Have you um, have you found it um, hard, or is it is it is it is it different going from being a founder to then being <clears throat> to then being an operator? And and because I guess I guess I guess they can be two different things, aren't they? I mean, you can you can found a company, but then it's about yeah. operating it. That can be a whole different ball game. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, so you can have like a founder who's got his head in the clouds, right? Um, and not not grounded in the reality. Um, and then you can have founders who are grounded in the reality. Um, and I kind of I kind of go between both, but I've probably got my feet on the ground a bit more. Um, so uh, yeah, like you know, I I've always I always felt like I've always been an operator. So like um, I think. You know, as an operator, you've got to, you've got to be quite commercial. You've got to, you know, you've got to think about how the dots are all joined up. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I can imagine it must be difficult for someone who's not done the operational side of business who thinks they've got an idea. An idea is not a business, right? Like a business is, <laughs> you know, is a living, breathing thing. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine it can be quite tough, um, to be honest. And I think that's where, like, my retail, when I had my early days, my retail background probably helped me. Um, yeah, like, but people management is so critical, you know. So, I mean, it, it, you, can, you can, I guess you could have the skill of, of doing it. I didn't, and I had to learn it um, the hard way, like, just, just by doing, yeah. making mistakes. Well, just just link to that. I want to I want to quote from uh, from your blog on the on the website. It says here, no matter the environment, my advice for aspiring entrepreneurs would be to just get your product out there. Ultimately, you can hypothesize, plan, and strategize as much as you want, and there's plenty of merit in doing that. But until your product is on the market, you don't know anything. Everyone is on their devices right now, so use opportunity to listen and engage with your customer. Ask them what they want. Ask them what they need. Um, and I suppose. Um, and I suppose this, this links back to my previous question about, you know, people often find themselves overthinking um, and yeah. they, they get into a place where, you know, analysis paralysis, you know, and, and in, in your view, um, have you ever struggled with that? And what would be your advice to those people who are in that place where they are just really struggling and they're really scared about going to market and done mm. all the analysis, and they've, 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 they're, they're, they're good to go. But there's just something that just makes them not press that button. You know what? What is it? Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think 
you know, it is it is something which um, is a problem, right? Um, for for people, I think personally, me, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I probably I probably don't think enough sometimes, and I just do. Um, and I think in it's good to think. Firstly, it's the first thing to point out, right? Um, it's good to think about things, um, but there's a point at which you got to do because otherwise, someone else is going to do it, um, and you'll be left behind. Um, so, my personal view is that you can try and achieve perfection, or you can make, you know, you can do it and learn, and you know, hopefully, get there one day. Um, but you know, businesses and brands are not brought, bought, born overnight, right? They take years to build. It's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, um, and uh, very few, you, you know, brands are, you know, go skyrocket in the first one or two years. There's so few and far between, right? Like, you know, majority of brands are built over five or ten years. Um, so, um. I think for anyone that's just, you know, uh, you know, thinking about things, I think definitely think it through, do your strategizing analysis, everything, but there has to be a point where you have to go, right, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, I'm going to set yourself the timeline or, you know, whatever it is and just, just make it happen. And nothing, nothing should stop you from, um, you know, picking up that phone or whatever it is, uh, that client or that person. I think sometimes what can help is speaking to people in trade, in industry that have done it before yeah. as well. Yeah. So that's something maybe to to do. And, you know, it's amazing how people are actually quite willing to give their time. Um, genuine, genuine business people will give their time yeah. to share and, you know, um, and if they're not genuine, if they don't move on to the next person, right? And I think... Um, it's okay to feel feel vulnerable, you know. It's okay to feel scared about things. Use it though, you know. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't let it overcome you. Absolutely. I think. I mean, I I I tell people people all the time, you know, when you've got a vision or an idea, like tell people. Like you'll be surprised how people actually want to help you on your mission. Um, that people yeah. can feel quite scared. And I think, I mean, just just on the point about, you know, um, not taking action. Um, I often find that. Well, it's, it, it's more of an observation, but I I think it comes down to a lack of, it comes down to insecurity, I think, as well. I think people don't mm. feel confident in themselves and they're so worried about what people will think about them. Mm. They're so worried about what people will say about their product that they actually don't take action. And, and you know, um, one of the great things about social media is that you can get you can get an instant response to whatever you put out there um, but often people pay way too much attention to what people are saying on social media and they take it apart mm. and they don't realize that actually um, it isn't about that one or two likes or, you know, what that person says. It is about actually the longer term um, process. But I think it is about insecurity to a certain degree. I think, I think people do find themselves rather, rather scared about what people will think or what they'll say, which stops mm. And I think, I mean, being even more, um, what's the word? Being more blunt, I would say, I think people often find themselves using the word perfection and using the striving for perfection as an excuse, in in in, mm. in, in my view, um, because they're scared, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, yeah, and I think with products, a major problem. I think, um, yeah, you know, you get feature creep, and 
you know, things like digital or, or physical products. I think it's, you know, there is no perfection. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's a process. It's, you know, that's, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you, we, we, we spoke before about, um, um, about design aesthetics, beauty, um, you know, um, I suppose if you could kind of just elaborate a little bit more about why that's so important to you, um, as an individual, but also as a business, um, what is it that kind of gives you that energy, um, and, and that kind of, uh, drive to make things beautiful, you know, because it is so clear when you look at the brands, when you, when you look at the company, when you, when you look at the products, a lot of thought mm. gone into the shade of the, the the shade of blue that you've chosen, um, the way that things look, um, the fact that you've tried to make things as minimalistic as possible. Um, what what is it that kind of gives you that kind of energy, if you like? Um, I think the main thing is trying to um, make things that I like um, and. Um, so it's my my kind of creative expression or working with the designer creative expression and and um yeah and then you're trying to at the same time um focus on the customer and what they like right so and within that process is working with the designer the creative to to get there um and so it's their their point of view as well so it's a three-way thing. It's a three-way um, conversation or, you know, um, process, really. Um, so you've got yourself, your point of view. You've got the customer, which is obviously, you know, the most important. But the customer, the famous Henry Ford phrase, which is, um, you know, where if we ask customers what they want, they say faster horses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so customer has a very important um point of view though so i think you, you can't you know that phrase and that thing can only be used in certain certain context um but then there's also the designer and the the kind of you know the paintbrush of the designer and for the designer it's the environment you create for them ultimately the designer needs the brief if you, the worst thing you could do with a designer is say create me something cool yeah like you know you can't go to designer and give them a wide open brief. Yeah. A designer needs to have a very clear view of what you were trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with Nolly, we were trying to achieve Acne Studios, cause for tech, you know, and more colorful, you know, simply, you know, that's what we were trying to do um, uh, from a color, color selection point of view. Now then to go from there, that statement came a, mood board and colors and direction and references and and then we selected the the right ones so um i think the the yeah that that that's basically you know how how it's worked but it ultimately it's a creative expression of that process yeah yeah and i mean um where where do you get your inspiration from i mean obviously you mentioned your own personal experiences is there anything that's like kind of you you find that kind of inspires you and, and, and gives you ideas. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think I just like to get out a lot. So, like, I like to um, just see new stores or like just yeah, just be just you know, I've always find me in either Soho or Shoreditch during the week. 
Um, uh, so yeah, like, you know, just, just being out there, um, looking, you know, just, you see stuff, right. Whether it's like a little, someone, something's wearing or, oh, that's cool. Or like you might see something in a magazine or, you know, magazine, magazine, no one reads magazines anymore. <laughs> um, on, online or, yeah. you know, like through a blog or whatever it is or, you know, social media. Um, so you might bookmark something. Um, and then travel, like I used to love travel. I think travel is just great, great way of just finding new things because you just like experiencing different cultures. And like, I think it's, I'd always recommend anyone just travel as much as possible. Like, you know, get out there, go to Japan, go to Stockholm, go to, you know, places like this. I heard this, um, this thing was that there's an actual part of your brain that is the creative part of your brain. And it's actually physically there. And um, contrary to what people think about being creative, it's not the case that some people are creative and some are not. You can actually you can actually do things to stimulate the creative part of your brain. Um, mm. Part of that is it's not, and 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 and, and you might disagree with this, but it's not that creative creativity is about creating new things. It's about taking different things and combining ideas together to create something that is new. It's not, it isn't this hugely new thing that people think it's about. Um, is that, is that how you think about being creative? Yeah, definitely. Definitely look for references. That's what a lot of great creatives do. They, they, you know, even if you look at like iPhone, a lot of the inspiration, uh, for the software came from, um, the, um, Dieter Rams era, you know, Dieter Rams, famous designer. Um, and a lot of that inspo came from there. So a hundred percent, you know, the answers are already out there and, um, the beauty of design is it's timeless, right? So great design from the 1900s, you know, is still relevant today. Um, and that's where you should be looking is history. You know, look through history, look through the current, present. You know, you've got some wicked designers like Virgil Abloh and people like that of today who are like next level designers. Um, so yeah, past, present, future definitely is inspo. And just, just on the future note, um, what does the future of uh, Noli and, and I guess Occupshield look like? What, what's, what's your kind of plans for the, uh, medium to long term? Yeah. So Occupshield, um, we want to continue that development into it being a, um, a real kind of a digital eye care, um, stable almost for customers. So, you know, we want to develop out the products in that ecosystem, grow the distribution and, um, yeah, continue to like really build on the solid foundation that we built in that brand. And we've got lots and lots of really interesting products that are going to come out over the next kind of year or so all about trying to look after your eyes, keep your, your eyes fresh and therefore your body fresh. Um, so yeah, that one really excited about, uh, Nolly's a little bit early, earlier stage, um, design, design focused. Um, yeah, I mean with that one, we, we, um, still only what seven, eight months in. So like, you know, it's really about trying to, um, just get closer to the customers and build out the ecosystem of products. We're actually doing a retail store at the end of this month as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. yeah, so that would be cool because we get even closer to the customer, um, you know, the products inside there. And um, so, yeah, like um, 
I think, you know, more than anything, Nolly is about the, so the, the retail store is a lifestyle store, not just with our products, but actually like other, other kind of products, which improve your experience with technology. Um, so, um, yeah, like, um, you know, with, with Nolly, um, you know, I, I think, um, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy it. You know, I'm going to enjoy doing what we're doing. Cause I think we, you know, we've got some cool stuff coming through and in the future. So I think it's just, um, one for me to, to really enjoy as well. Would you want your, uh, your, your legacy to be asset? Legacy. Oh, no, that was asked for the question. Um, wow. That's a very, I, I still, I still think, even though I'm 12 years in, I still think I'm, it's too early to ask that. <laughs> so, still got a long way to go. Um, so I, I think what next steps are, yeah, like, um, I really want to build out the portfolio firstly. I think the portfolio of businesses around technology and experiences around technology, I think is something that I'd really want to continue to do. I, I want to get a couple of, couple of exits under my belt from these, um, really grow that portfolio out. Um, and then, um, yeah, look to, look to do more really. And, or I'd love to get more into, um, charity work and things like that and community work, um, probably in about 10 years or so, not now, uh, right now is just all about kind of pumping it and, um, yeah, working hard and, um, trying to, trying to do things differently. Asad, I guess finally, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, for sure. So, um, from a business point of view, um, and kind of, um, what's going on in my business, LinkedIn. So you just search for, for my name, Asad Hamir. Um, likewise on Instagram, Asad Hamir for, for personal. The brands are at, at Noli, um, OkiShields, get, get OkiShields. Um, so yeah, please do, do follow us and I'll, uh, actually going to be sharing a lot more around the journey and stuff over the next few, few weeks and months. Fantastic. Brilliant. And I guess finally, um, Asa, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. It's much, much appreciated. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Mohammed.